I mentioned to you last week one of the things um, I just feel led to do from time to time is just sit in God's presence and just ponder who He is. And uh, it's a very humbling thing when you think of who God is, or or at least who I am in light of who God is, uh, because He is perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, uh, perfectly just, and uh, I'm nowhere near those things. And it's a very humbling line in the end of that last song, uh, the darling of heaven was crucified. No worthy is the lamb. He who was without spot or blemish, without sin, God in flesh, was willing to humble himself to become a man and even humble himself to, to die on a cross so that we could have life. That's, um, that's amazing love. It's amazing grace. If you have your copy of Scripture, go ahead and turn with me to the book of 1 John. Uh, we're in 1 John chapter 3, looking at uh, verses 11 to, uh, to 24 this morning. I'll just recap uh, just a little bit of our series on 1 John so far. Uh, for those of you who haven't been with us, and uh, so we can kind of catch up a little bit. Uh, 1 John uh, was written as each of these letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, uh, were uh, letters written by John, who was a disciple of Jesus, uh, one of the apostles, a good friend of Jesus. He called himself the uh, disciple whom Jesus loved. And he wrote uh, John's gospel and these three letters in the New Testament as well as Revelation. And 1 John in particular was written to, as, a, as a letter uh, to individual Christians to combat especially the teachings of the Gnostics, which were prevalent at the time of the early church. Now, we've talked about over the last few weeks some of the beliefs of the, uh, the Gnostics or Gnosticism. And um, the, the main things are that uh, the Gnostics were teaching that God is a spirit and therefore He is completely transcendent, uh, distant even, uh, detached from mankind. We can never have a relationship with God. He's not that sort of God. He is distant. He created uh, the universe, and then just kind of leaves it uh, to play out. The only way, in fact, the Gnostics taught that we could get to know, or get even closer to God, uh, close to God in any way, was through knowledge, which uh, with the Greek word uh, gnosis, which is where they get Gnosticism from. Uh, so they tried to get to know as much about God as they can and to know as much uh, things as they can. And so they followed not only the uh, Old Testament scriptures, but their own writings uh, that the Gnostics wrote, uh, in order to keep knowing more, and there was that quest for knowledge. But they also taught that there is no way that Jesus was God's Son, and there's especially no way that Jesus was God in flesh, because God was only a spirit. And so there's no way that he could uh, lower himself to uh, become like us, or limited like us. And yet John, who walked with Jesus, and, and, and talked with Jesus, and knew him well, as friend of Jesus, writes this letter to this early church, these, these new Christians in the faith, to say, no, 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 let me tell you who Jesus really is and, and who Jesus was when he's walking. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is God in flesh. And he has come to bring us salvation. And we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because he has paid that price for us on the cross. And so we learn a little bit each week as we're working our way through 1 John in this great little letter, uh, some challenges to, um, uh, to, to get to know who Jesus is and to try to live like him. And um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 to 24 uh, is no different than that. Now, um, I don't always read uh, such a, a longer passage, but uh, I want to read this for us uh, this morning because it's a, a great passage and then we're going to work our way through some of it. So uh, let me read for you in 1 John chapter 3, beginning verse 11. It says this, 
For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we pass pass from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and we do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly God, we thank You for the precious gift of Your Word. And we pray, Lord, that You lead us through it now. Teach us Your ways. Show us, Lord, Your love and grace. And challenge us as a church to love like You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, those of you who have been with us throughout the series on 1 John, we recognize John in in this letter, especially, uh, and even in his gospel, is uh, very black and white on his his imagery. Uh, When he's talking about the difference there should be between the Christian or the believer in Jesus Christ and those who don't know Christ. And so he uses imagery throughout uh, all of his letter like uh, devil and God, dark and light, hate and love, murder and self-sacrifice. For John and for many of the, those in the early church, uh, there, there was no sort of gray area in a Christian. It wasn't like you, you talk about how much you love God, but then that love is not evident in your life. He's saying, no, for a Christian, for a believer in Jesus Christ, His love transforms us. And so there should be a great difference between those who believe in Jesus Christ and the world who uh, do not know Him. And John makes this point over and over in the letter that there should be a clear difference in the life of a Christian compared to those who don't know Christ. It's like they've moved from darkness to light. It's like they've moved from death to life. And so we're challenged in this way too to to be loved by God and to to accept His love and to to lavish in that love. And we talked last week how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we can be called sons and daughters of God. But we're to not only receive that love and, and, and accept that love that's been lavished on us, but we're to live out that love. And we begin in verses 11 to 15 with a challenge for us as God's church to say that Christians are called to love and not hate. Now, when I was growing up, I never put much emphasis on the word hate. I might actually even say um, 
I hate watching golf. Or uh, I hate when it's cold and rainy. Maybe like today, I don't know. I, I, I hate, uh, I, I, like, I don't mind the cold, I don't mind the rain, but the combination is just not good. So I, I hate the, the cold and the rain. But when I moved to Australia, and when I married into, uh, when I married Lindy and into the family, I found out very quickly that hate is a word that you just never use. Hate is a, a strong word, much stronger than I'd ever put emphasis on it. Because Lindy's grandmother, who's uh, a dear Christian lady who went on to be with the Lord before I was blessed to have known her, used to always say, you, you don't say the word hate because if you, to hate means you want to kill, you want that person dead uh, or you want, uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're wanting to, to kill them. Now, I used to laugh at that at some extent, um, you know, as I wasn't ever wishing that golf was dead or that uh, the, uh, the cold rainy days were dead. But the context is exactly what John is mentioning here and what Jesus taught. To hate someone is to have already committed murder in your heart. Which is something which is quite prevalent in the world today. When people talk about a, even a dislike or a hate something, they mean they wish this thing didn't exist. They mean they wish this thing was done away with. And there's such hatred and, and animosity in the, the lives of those who don't know Christ. And the life of a believer should not be like that at all, but should be showing love, should be showing light, should be showing hope and not hatred. Now, as I mentioned before, the, uh, the Gnostics had not only the, the Scriptures but their own writings who were kind of saying how they should live and how they could get to know God more. But uh, John begins in verse 11 to say... Look, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. They were taught in the, their community that they, by the Gnostics, they, they could live kind of however they wanted as long as they were trying to, to know more and more about God. And John says, no, what you've heard from the very beginning, what you heard from Jesus himself and what you're hearing from us, uh, uh, the followers of Jesus, is that we are called to love. Anything else is hatred. Anything else is destructive. In verse 12 to 15, it says, hatred always leads to, to separation, whereas love leads to, to unity and life. John brings out the Old Testament story of Cain and his brother Abel. He says, don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and, and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Not because his brother had done wrong, but because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So don't be surprised if the world hates you. We know that we pass, pass from death to life because we love each other. It's a powerful verse in verse 14. He's saying our natural self, our worldly self, our self without Christ is filled with hatred, is filled with darkness, is void of any sort of light or hope or redemption, or peace. And we know that we have been transformed. We know that we've been changed from darkness to light, from death to life. When we love one another. Because our natural self looks after self. Looks after our own interests. Doesn't care about the interests of others. Doesn't care about the welfare of others. Our natural self can be selfish, can be jealous, 
can be proud. But God shows us love. God shows us grace. Now, in verse 12, Cain is used to kind of represent the world who responds out of hatred. And he, he kills his brother. Not because, I said, not because he had done any wrong, but because he was jealous of his brother Abel, who was more righteous than he was. And then he says, don't be surprised when the world doesn't understand you. Don't be surprised when the world hates you because of the righteousness, because of the life you live. Because you're living life by a different sort of standard. They didn't understand Christ and they often hated Him. Jesus teaches us actually in John's Gospel and you see a lot of uh, parallels between this letter and John's Gospel. Jesus teaches us over and over in John's Gospel that this is the way it's going to happen. The world are not going to understand this sort of love. The world are not going to understand this sort of, of righteous living. Jesus taught this in, in John uh, 15, verse 18 and 19, and also in verse 25, in John chapter 16, verse 1, and John 17, 14. Jesus says, the world are going to hate those who follow him. The world are not going to understand this sort of love. And it's actually interesting, in verses 13 and 14, there's a, the, the Greek word, uh, Himaeus, which actually is, is the challenge, not don't be surprised when the world hates you, but actually let the world hate you. Because what flows from that is love shines even brighter when the hate comes through. When the darkness seems to kind of pour in, the light seems even brighter. Now, I don't know how many of you have been, uh, been caving uh, or spelunking, I guess you can say, but uh, I used to love as a kid going through some, some caves um, a few hours away from my, my house in Kentucky and I remember, as a, probably a 10-year-old boy, uh, going into this cave, and we went into kind of this deepest, darkest place, and it, when I was a child, it felt like we'd been walking for miles and miles, or, or kilometers and kilometers. I'm sure we probably hadn't, but anyway, we'd, we'd gone far away from where you could see any sort of light. And I remember as we got deep down in this bottom cavern, the... Um, the, the caving guide brought us all to the center and we all kind of huddled there together. And he said, now everyone turn off your torches. And when we did, you, you literally couldn't see the hand in front of your face. You couldn't see the person who you knew was right there or right there. You couldn't see if... And, and there were places around where if you'd walked over there, you would drop off the edge. Now, hopefully nowadays, they don't even take kids on those sort of caving things. Now there's too many... Safety things. This is back in the day when no one had any regulations. We just, you know, led kids into deep caves where there were dark caverns uh, to drop into. But they, we huddled here, and he kind of jokingly said, as he turned off the light, you know, now, good luck finding your way out of here. Probably scared me to death back then. Yeah. Oh. But it made me think, what, what am I going to do if these lights don't come back on? What are we going to do here? But he, he said this, and I, I think I'll always remember this. He said that there are some caves uh, in, in Mammoth Cave uh, which are, are so huge, uh, like they're, they're, they're several hundred meters at least in, um, uh, in length. And he said you could have the smallest little torch, like a, like a light that may kind of light your keyhole on your, 
on your rings, on your keys. He said, this tiny little light, and he said, you can actually see it hundreds of meters away in this sort of darkness because it's absolutely so dark. And he said, it lights up the walls. And it lights up where in, we, we live in light all the time. We're so close to the city. You can still see the lights of the city from here. You can see the glow of the glass. We're always in light. When you get away from that light uh, into the darkness, the, the light just shines out. And here it's actually interesting because it's kind of what he's saying. To, John's saying to this early church, he's saying, yeah, let the, let the darkness shine. Let the world hate you. Let them question the way that you're living. Let them be confused by this sort of love because the light just shines brighter through the darkness. You see, John Stott puts it, he says, in the vocabulary of John, love and light and life belong together as do hatred and darkness and death. And if we love and not hate, then we start showing that we've moved from following ourselves to following God. The world hates because the world is in darkness. But we are meant to be children of the light. If we are in Christ, we should love. Verse 15, verse 15 is one of those verses which is, um, which is often taken out of context, but it says, If anyone hates a brother or sister, he is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Now, this is not saying that anyone who has committed a murder cannot go to heaven or cannot have eternal life. Because God says over and over in His, world, in his Word that God forgives any and all sin. And praise God for that, isn't it? None of us are too far gone for God. But what it is saying is that anyone who's still controlled by that hate, which, which murders physically or even in our head or our heart, which wishes someone gone or wishes someone dead is still controlled by that darkness rather than being controlled by the light of love and there should be a clear difference in the life of a christian He's saying we we cannot be like that we cannot be like the world we cannot hate like them we cannot wish someone uh, someone's demise like the world does but we need to be governed by love we need to be grounded in love Verse, um, verse 16 goes into um, how we're, we're called to let the light of love shine and, and how that should uh, look in our life. I just want to read verses uh, 16, to 17, 16 to 18. It says, This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. What a great challenge, isn't it? Verse 18 especially. Man, I love that. I don't know if you're a, a Bible marker. Some people say you should never do that. I do that, so I'll just ask your forgiveness for that. But it's one of those verses I always have highlighted and underlined. Dear children, do not let us love with just words or speech, but with actions and and in truth. God challenges us here to, to love and to let that light shine, saying that love is, is sacrifice. And we know what love is because Jesus Christ paid His own life for us. And therefore, we should lay our life down for others. Now, there are very few times when someone is called to literally lay their life on the line for another. 
But we're called to be willing to give ourselves for others and to live a life. Love is not only sacrifice, but love is selfless, selflessness. And verse 17 challenges us, if we have anything, give it to others. If we have material possessions, care for others. If we see that we have plenty and others have need, we, we, we have to give and we have to care. It should be just a natural outflowing of the love that we receive from God. For love is sacrifice and love is selflessness. I read in the commentary this week that uh, love is the willingness to surrender that which has value for our own life to enrich the life of another. I like that. Love is a willingness to, to, to give up what means something to us to enrich the life of some others. And love is, is service. It doesn't mean anything if we stand up here and we sing song after song after song about our love for God and how much we love our, our neighbors if we're not living it. And if it's not evident in our marriages, if it's not evident in our, our family life, if it's not evident in our workplaces, if it's not evident when we're at the shops, if it's not evident when we're in the, the club or, or wherever we are during the week, this love should be lived out. We should be meeting the needs of our neighbors. We should be caring for one another. The love should just be giving and giving and lighting and lighting and lighting the darkness. We are called to let the light of love shine out. It's more than just what we say, but it's a surrendered, sacrificial, constantly serving love. And Christians are called to follow God in how He loves. Verse 19 to, to 24. It says, God knows everything. Now, I love it. Verses, I'll just read this part, verse 19 and 20. It says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. And dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what's pleasing to Him. God knows us all. And God calls us all to love. Sometimes, even often, I think our hearts may condemn us. Because we know our sin. We know our shortcomings. But I want to say God knows them as well. And there are times when we, we convince ourselves, our mind, our heart says, you know, you're not good enough to serve God. You're not good enough to stand up and to, to do that in church and to, to serve in that way. What, what good would you be in that sort of ministry? What good would you be stepping up? Who are you to serve? Have you thought about how you've lived? Have you thought about the things that you've done in the past? I want to say, even when our heart condemns us, God knows everything. And He doesn't condemn you. He has forgiven those sins. By grace, He has washed those as white as snow. God knows you, and yet He calls you not because you're perfect or because you're wonderful in any way, but because you are His. He has chosen to use you. So don't listen to the doubts of your heart, which is controlled by darkness. Listen to the love of God, the light of hope, who wants to give you purpose and meaning. And it says there are also times in which our heart doesn't uh, condemn us, in which we are in sync with what God wants, which is where He wants us to get to. There, there are times, and increasingly so, if we keep following God, that our hearts will align with God's will. And what we want is what He wants. 
And we can trust and follow our hearts as we step boldly out to serve Him. God equips us and God protects us and God lights the way as He's called us to serve. He wants us to, um, to know Him and to have fellowship with Him. He wants to have a relationship with us. And the more we get to know Him, the more we know what He wants. We know how He wants to lead. And God, uh, knowing God just leads us to love. The ending verse says, look, we're called to do two things. We're called to believe in Jesus Christ and we're called to love. We're called to believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And John lays out, we need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to believe that Jesus is God in flesh and that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, the one who was promised from days of old to come and to bring us hope, to bring us deliverance, to bring us life. To bring us from death into life, we need to believe that Jesus is that one and has the power and all authority to do this and has paved the way for us to have life. And that Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God. We need to believe this, and then this belief compels us to love one another. It says in verse 23 to 24, we are called to do two things, believe in, in Jesus Christ and to love one another. Knowing Christ and having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ just compels us to love. When you're loved that much, it should just come through in every part of our life. And John wants to make this clear distinction in this passage between the Christians and the non-Christians. Those who follow Jesus and, and decided to really surrender and sacrifice themselves for, for God and those who have, are still following darkness. Because we need to be reminded from time to time as His children, as a church, that how we live should be showing God's love. How we live should be showing whose we are. Are we really surrendered to God? Are we, are we, have we given our life to Him? And have we surrendered ourselves to Him? Are we trusting in Him in every way? Because if we are, man, there should be a difference in our life. The light should be so evident in the darkened world. We should be showing love and not hate. We should be living completely different from the world. We're going to close with, um, with a great song that um, many of you have known for, for years. It's an old hymn called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Now, I, I love this because, li- listen to verse 2 on this. I'll just read this part. It says, through death into life everlasting. He passed and we follow Him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you, He promised. Believe Him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, His perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Let's all stand and sing this song. And I want to challenge you. Listen to the words of this. Commit to the words of this. And I want to challenge you. Look at, look at Jesus. Look at the light of His glorious grace. And you'll see how the problems and the, the hatred and, and the things of this world just grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace.